Hello there. Welcome to the 50 Women Over 50 podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Lynn Starkey. On this show, I highlight women who have broken barriers, challenged the status quo, or who have simply lived remarkable lives beyond the age of 50. From pioneering entrepreneurs to passionate activists, artists, educators, and more, I hope to inspire my listeners to embrace the wisdom and vitality of women who have experienced a little bit more of life. Get ready to be inspired, informed, and empowered as together we extol the lives of 50 exceptional women over 50. Today, I'm welcoming to the show Lynn Bowman, author of the best-selling cookbook, Brownies for Breakfast. Her wisdom about postmenopausal dieting made her a great guest for this show, and she also offers incredible insight and advice about finding success after 50 on her own terms. Lynn was a veritable pioneer in working from home long before it was a thing. Enjoy the show. Tell me all about your 50th birthday. Well, we, that starts us on a bit of a down note, but my sister had just died and she was my family. My mom had died when I was 18. So my sister, my big sister, four years older than me, had always been my rock and uh, helped me raise my kids when I had to leave an abusive marriage and bring my kids across the country and that's a whole other story, but it was my sister who was, who was there for me. And she had a 10 year battle with breast cancer and had died right before my 50th day. And so the interesting thing to me is, and because your show was sort of focused on that year, I was, I sort of started a new life that year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went to a resort, an old timey health resort that I don't know if you've ever heard of. It's La Puerta. It's just over the the line in Mexico. And it was the first kind of European health spa in anywhere that I know of in the United States. Mm-hmm. Very old. And I went there for a week to sob and be by myself. And I sat out on a a sort of, a, I had a little villa and I sat out on the deck and I listened to the quail crying in the distance. And I thought, I need to spend the rest of my life someplace where I can hear quail. Right. And somewhere that I can walk and somewhere that I can look out and see nature and smell sage or something good that's natural. And I just all of a sudden got this whole clear picture of how the rest of my life should be for mm-hmm. me. And so many of us women, we, you know, we live for the kids, for the family members, for the career, for the everything. Where are we in all that? And I realized at this uh, spa, which is what it was, although it's very sort of basic. It's not all posh like spas are now, but I love the place. And I just, I had this clear picture, Sherry Land, of what I was going to need. So when I came back from that week, I, I mean, days after that, I was with a girlfriend 
driving and I don't even remember why we were in that particular area, but we drove into this little funny town on the coast of California, just about four miles back from the beach. And we were driving along and I said, this is it. This is where I want to live. And at the time I was living in the Silicon Valley in San Jose, a house I really loved. It was a, a great location in many ways. I'd raised my kids there. Yeah. It was convenient. But all of a sudden, I knew I wanted to live in this little town. And so, you know, sometime after that, a few weeks, my husband and I were looking for homes and I'm still living here. This is the place. And I hear quail all the time. Nice. I go outside and I smell redwoods and pines and sage and all the things that I love in nature. And there are so many other benefits and, you know, downside to <laughs> floods, fire, earthquakes. I mean, this past three years, I could go on, right? I'm, I'm a little bit isolated anyway, but I have a community of women close by who are a little younger than me, a little older than me, but all kind of mostly crazy like I am. And it, I, I had good company through all of it. My 50th was the beginning of this new life. Mm. So it, it started with a lot of tears and closures, but was a great opening. And I'm, I'm happy for the direction it's gone. So what did you do? Like you were in Silicon Valley and then you've moved out to this rural property. How did you, like, how did that sit with your job, with your career? I, I had a real bitch for a boss. It was me. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> I had had my own business, Sherry Lynn, since 1987 hmm. and in a creative services business. And so I, I was able to just pack it up and bring it with me. And the team members that I worked with were always delighted to come out to my place and work with me. And it was also kind of the beginning of doing it all online. And so we were able to just send our copy in and send our designs in and so on. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was the beginning of what we've been talking about, this whole new way of working in the world where you don't have to physically be on campus or in it's the office. Bit of an innovator there. About that time, I was a young mother on my own with children and working in an agency. And I had this old crusty Scottish guy as a boss. And I, and I had figured out how to, how to use the internet. It was on dial-up, but this is in the UK at the time. And so I remember saying to him, you know, the kids are off school for six weeks in the spring. I'm a writer. So why can't I write at home and just send you my copy at the end of the day? I can, I can email it to you on the internet. And he just looked at me like I was out of my mind. Like, no, you're coming yeah. into the office just like the rest of us. You don't get to stay home because you have children. And uh, so off I went, you know, I got a nanny and went into the office and everything. But yeah, I mean, it, I, I, talk about it at the cutting edge. Like this was something that he couldn't even conceive of. And now yeah. we do it all every day. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you and you figured it out the same as I did, though, that I need to you know, be the master of my own destiny here and do run my own business because my income trajectory was almost vertical <laughs> when I, when I left a, a staff position into, into being. Absolutely. Because we were the product. You yes. and me. 
Yeah, yeah. And we didn't even really understand that fully, I don't think, because no one wanted us to understand mm-hmm. that fully, right? But but we were the ones with the goods. Um, yeah. And I actually had a, a, a fellow that had an agency that I did a lot of freelance work for tell me one time that he didn't think I was working hard enough on this stuff. And I was like, you know, is there something that he, he said, I just don't see that you're really working that hard. <laughs> and so I, I picked up my stuff and st- I just left mm-hmm. in a hop, uh, which wasn't typical of me, but I, I was like, really? Because you can't see me sweat. Yeah. Y- you don't think I'm working hard enough. So I left, you know, and just, I thought, okay, that's that. And of course, it didn't take him long to call me up and, and mm-hmm. crawl. Listen, tell me, how did you come around to writing your book? My kids told me I had to. And like a lot of grandmas, I interject in every sentence a recipe. You know, that's how I talk and how I think is in terms of what's in the refrigerator and how good it would be and, you know, so on and so forth. And finally, the kids just said, would you please write this stuff down? For, because we can't remember what, you know, and we want to remember and your granddaughter will want to remember. So I wrote it to my granddaughter and uh, who's 15 now and barely speaks to me. And I thought, okay, that's, you know, that's a good fun challenge for me. And I started into it. And like anyone in the creative world business, you start down that road and you can't stop. You know, you have to, you have to do it. And I had a wonderful friend and associate who, who is a designer that I respect greatly and who made a great partner for me on this book. She enjoys doing books. And so we went crazy doing the book we wanted to do. I worked with my friend, Elise Huffman, to, to do kind of a big, very heavily illustrated kind mm-hmm. of thing. I didn't That's know... Beautiful. At the time, thank you. I'm really proud of the way it looks. And of course, the words are brilliant. And happily, people seem to be enjoying it. We reviewed really well. So but who's buying your book? So far as I know, women of a certain age, really big. I mean, the subtitle is it's called Brownies for Breakfast. And the subtitle is A Cookbook for Diabetics and the People Who Love Them. Uh, so yes, diabetics, people who've just been diagnosed is, you know, sort of a, a first target, but I meant it literally for everyone because everyone knows a diabetic and also the same things that are healthy for a diabetic are healthy for heart patient, someone with fatty liver disease, someone who doesn't want fatty liver disease or heart disease, it's the way we should all be eating. And you know, if you want to lose weight, great, same prescription. It's really simple. And the, the more I read what's out there now on YouTube and Facebook and everything, the more everyone has made it just this complicated mess of weighing and measuring and understanding and microbiology and so on. No, you know, this book is the granny way to do it, which is don't eat crap. That's number one. And eat real food. Okay. That's maybe number one in front of 
don't eat crap. Eat real food, whole food, and don't eat crap. There it is right there. And I give the bonus of showing you how to not eat sugar, which for diabetics is particularly, particularly important. Mm -hmm. But it's now become, when I first was doing this, Sherilyn, people, I would talk about sugar-free and people would go, oh, no, thanks. You know, like the, the assumption was that it was going to taste bad mm -hmm. uh, or make you sick or something if it was sugar-free. But I talk about the newer sugar substitutes and how to use them. And you, know, you can make fabulous food using real food, whole food, no sugar. I don't use butter or flour in these recipes either. I mean, you can add them if you want to, and you don't care about eating those things. But if you're if you're really trying to take some power, and if you have fatty liver disease or diabetes, the first order of business is always going to be, sorry, you need to drop some weight. Yes. And when you drop the weight, your numbers will improve. And if you drop the weight in a really healthy way, your numbers will improve even more. And the idea is you need to drop the weight and keep it off. It needs to be a permanent change in the way you think about food and, and consume food and serve, serve food to other people. So this so, is why I wanted to book you on the show, though. You're, you're getting right to the point here. And that is that because women are body conscious and so, you know, women over 50 no more or less so than women in their 30s, right? We're body conscious. And so all my life, I have tried to diet. I have done all of them, right? I've been on Weight Watchers. I've done keto. I've done, what's the one that they send the food to you at your house? Oh, Jenny Craig. You know, I've done them all anyways. I've done the Scarsdale diet. I've I've done, what's the latest one that's on the app? Zoom, Doom, Noom, Noom. Okay, all where are you now? Where are you now in this journey? Well, this is why I was very interested in your approach because now post-menopause, the situation's getting worse, not better, even though I don't seem to be eating any better or worse than I ever have. And I try to be as active as I always have been, yet little by little, the weight still creeps on. And I know that I'm not unique in this because I have friends my age and I can see what's happening with them too. So I wondered what advice that you have for these postmenopausal women whose metabolism is slowed down and, you know, we like to eat. <laughs> like we want to be able to eat. And you should eat and you should eat beautiful, wonderful food that you love to eat. And the trick is it's all in the book. So I, I need to be sure that when we end this show, you've got a book on the way one way or the other and we'll make sure you get it quick because I would love to check back with you in six weeks or eight weeks mm. and see what you have to say about it. If you do what I tell you, this is my granny talk here. Yeah. If you do what I tell you, I promise you, you will not only lose weight, but you will feel a heck of a lot better. Mm. And it's, it's sometimes making some smaller tweaks, but it's, it's starting off plant-based. You know, if you, if you eat some animal foods, you'll do it in small amounts and I'll mm -hmm. tell you exactly how, but if you really want to see the change, you're going to do two things. You're going to absolutely quit sugar. 
cold turkey. Just a sec. Does that include wine? Because wine is sugar. (laughs) No, wine is not sugar. Wine is wine. (laughs) Thank goodness. You scared me for a second. (laughs) You, you, you actually, as a, as a woman of a certain age, all the science has come back. I'm sorry, saying you need to drink very moderately. I mean, one or two drinks a week, girls, is what we get. That's the deal. And and choose them wisely. And I I was someone who always loved a cocktail and wine, but you you have to have one and savor the heck out of it. And if you're going to drink wine, make it good and have a glass or glass and a half and do it with food. Don't ever drink without eating at the same time. That's important. So yeah, that's a big change. But when I say sugar, I mean refined sugar. I mean the white sugars. And there are things that register like sugar in your body. White flour, processed flour, uh, white rice, the glycemic index, if you you're probably familiar with that, mm-hmm. those those rate very highly on the glycemic index. So you want to stay with lower glycemic index foods. But if you just get it in your head that you're not eating white stuff, that's pretty easy. No mm-hmm. white stuff. Yeah. But more important, eat green stuff. Maybe green stuff you've never eaten before. And you thought, oh, I really have yes, you're gonna love it if you prepare it the way I suggest. And I suggest strongly that you eat greens three times a day or that you choose to eat only two times a day. Eat greens, dark greens with every meal. So it's a new habit to develop. Mm -hmm. So many people don't have because most of us are driving through or ordering in or whatever. And that's over. You cannot do that. You cannot be healthy eating restaurant food or drive through, sorry, no. So I noticed in your bio, it says that you're not a very good cook. Well, (laughs) my stuff is great, but it's easy. Okay. I don't don't have time to fuss in the kitchen. You know, I, like a lot of people, sort of therapeutic to be stirring and stuff, but I don't measure things very well. I'm a messy cook. And I'd much rather talk with my guests than be cooking. Mm-hmm. So, so what I know how to do, and we were talking about this, Sherry Lynn, a lot before, I had three little ones, three years in a row. So you get good at putting a meal on the table fast and simply, but making it good. Because my social life also had to revolve around my table. You know, nobody was going to invite me and my three kids over to their house, right? So I tended to, to invite my workmates and my friends to my table. And, and so I, my superpower was putting it on the table, fast, cheap, healthy. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley. <laughs> because, yeah, I, we just don't, I, you know, who has time to fool with so many things? And what I know how to do is make it with what I have. And a lot of what I teach is open up your fridge. What do you got? Let's turn it into something wonderful. For an example, in the book that everybody tells me they end up doing and and loving is Genius Soup. And that is the soup that you make out of, you, you use onions, 
celery and you know whatever you have, maybe a little garlic and carrots if you have them and you chop them up and, and make a little saute and then you start dumping stuff in. You start putting in water, broth, but you you open up your fridge and you reach in there to the chard and the kale and the stuff that you bought with such good intentions <laughs> and they're now dying in the back of your crisper. I feel like you've seen my fridge. <laughs> I've, I've been there, girl. So you take that stuff out now and you rinse off the icky stuff and, you get, and then you throw it in the soup pot. You chop it a little bit and you throw it in the pot. Mm. And and the pot simmers all afternoon or in your Instapot. Now yeah. a lot of have that. And it makes the most wonderful basic soup that you can now add. I had some yesterday and I added some shrimp out of the freezer and some green salsa out of the fridge and some cheese on top of it out of the fridge, a little squeeze of lemon. It was so good. It was amazing. And a, a, a super healthy meal covered all the nutritional basis, but it started with tons of vegetables. So from now on, everything you eat basically needs to start with a ton of vegetables, mm -hmm. or at least of vegetables. And that for most of us is a change of habit. It most is. of us eat bread three times a day of some kind or another, mm. or put thing on stuff. Most of us have sugar on our coffee, on our on something. Mm. These little habits are the things that once they're gone, you go, wow, I you know, I don't miss that at all. I, in fact, you'll be eating more beautiful food, more delicious food, more interesting food. Your friends will think you're amazing because they'll come over and go, wow, this is great. It is a different mindset though, because usually when I, when you're thinking about planning your, your meal, you're, you're thinking, you know, what have I got in the freezer? Is it chicken? Is it pork? Is it steak? And, and so what you're saying is start with in the crisper drawer. Yeah. And then add That's, on it there. My assumption is you do not want to run into town and buy three more ingredients because you need them. It's all done with what, and I make a list of here's what you need to have always in your larder. Mm -hmm. Here's the stuff to throw out right now. And I mean it, you know, so it's, it's a, a way to just shift your thinking about what you store how you, what you use, and it ends up being cheaper, by the way. Oh, yeah, because um, you don't throw out so much. You don't, honey, I throw nothing out. I mean, you know, I, a part of that comes from having, never have had it, it, in money, you know, when my kids are small and so mm -hmm. on. So I learned how to skate along on practically nothing, but it becomes a game in a way. And now everyone is complaining about grocery prices, food mm. prices. Yes. What are you most hopeful about? Well, for one thing, I hope we're still talking in 25 years. I hope we're having this conversation and you're going, wow, we didn't know we were going to live so long and have so much fun. Because that's another thing. Another thing I really wanted to say today with you and your listeners is I've never been happier. Yeah. Being older is a blast in so many ways. I mean, even in spite of, you know, we've had these crazy, the pandemic and floods and, you know, some crazy weather and all sorts of things. 
but being free of a limiting career, free of the responsibilities of little kids and teenage kids, free of what expectations about what I should be or not be, or what I wanted my kids to be or not, or whatever. All of a sudden in your seventies, you start to think, well, you know, this is good. I'm out here. Nobody's paying any attention to what I'm doing or what, you know, I can do what I want. And what's better than that? I don't know. It's, and people talk about women being invisible a certain mm-hmm. age. Compare being prey to being invisible. Yeah. Isn't being invisible way more fun? <laughs> I can go anywhere. And, you know, no one is particularly paying any attention to me. Yeah. Right? What are, you doing for, what are you doing for fun these days? Whatever I want. <laughs> I I mean I've already described to you where I live and I love where I live. I, I'm a passionate gardener. I'm not a great gardener, but a passionate gardener. Okay. I love having my hands in the dirt. I love being out there with the critters and my flowers. And we raise our a lot of our food. We have pear trees and apple trees and plum trees and berries and all kinds of good stuff. And then we have raised beds full of vegetables. And so it's really fun and satisfying to, to be out in the dirt. I work out at a little gym in town with my friends, which no, it's not fun lifting those away, but it's fun laughing with my friends mm-hmm. uh, about the whole thing. And uh, what do I do for fun? A, a couple of local spots owned by friends of mine that are hangouts for people of a certain age. So that's yeah. fun. Too. That's good. Socializing then. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and socializing takes on new meaning when you don't have to rush home and do a project, you know, produce something for work. Mm-hmm. When you can just be with your friends. And of course, we've all understood that walking together is the best thing we could possibly do. So we do that. I live near the ocean. We've nice. got the beach. It is nice. So, and I have two grandchildren, and one of whom I Zoom with every morning. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, that's a whole new world, right? Yes. Where, where we do our, our relationships online too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that beats the heck out of not seeing this adorable 18 month old. That's one of my silver lining stories about the pandemic was because it wouldn't let me see my grandchildren, even though they live 10 minutes down the road from me. But I used to Zoom with them every day at 1030 and read them a storybook. <laughs> and that was yeah. part of our routine. And it gave their mom a bit of a break because yes. she had them home from school. She was doing homeschooling and working full time as a nurse. And yeah, it was a crazy time. But the amount that we fully expect women in their midlife to do homeschooling, managing their kids, you know, lives and cover and the career and the community stuff. Let's not forget that mm-hmm. who is doing that. It's midlife women mm-hmm. do, doing all of the volunteer stuff at school and so on. So all of a sudden, and, and who was it that just used the expression yesterday the day before? And I thought, Ooh, that's interesting. Time poverty. Mm-hmm. 
is a different kind of poverty. So I wanted to ask you, is there an app you couldn't live without? App? Mm. That I couldn't live without? Mm -hmm. I could live without all of it. Oh, yeah? Fine. Except the one that lets me see my, so it's probably, it's got to be Facebook Messenger okay. is used to see my grandson mm -hmm. and, and a lot of afternoons. So that's the one that maybe I couldn't live without. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you wanted to share with the audience? One of the things that I love about being a woman is that women talk, you know, we yes. talk to each other. That's how we navigate in the world. And men always called it gossip, you know. I call it intel. Um, <laughs> very smart, very smart. This has been 50 Women Over 50, a podcast for women whose personal confidence is born of experience. Thank you to my guest, best-selling author Lynn Bowman. I love what she says about regaining freedom as an over 50 woman as we use our new invisibility superpower to transform ourselves from being prey to a life free of expectations about who we are and what we should be. Please see the show notes to learn more about Lynn's book, Brownies for Breakfast, and to find the links that you need to connect with her online and some of the other resources we discussed on the show. And please join me again next week when I will welcome the book professor, Nancy Erickson, who earned a master's degree after her 50th birthday and started Stonebrook, a nonfiction publishing house. That's next week. But in the meantime, please drop me a rating or a review on Apple or wherever you get your podcast from. Let's connect and create a whole community of wise women over 50 by sharing a link to this show with your friends and connections. See you next time on 50 Women Over 50. I'm your host, Sherry Lynn Starkey.